Good morning and welcome to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacy Harris and John Sumser. Morning, Stacy. How's Florida? Florida is beautiful as usual, but very muggy and hot. I think I'll actually be happy to go back to North Carolina for the weather. But yeah, it's it's a nice uh, nice out here. And how about you? You're home this week, right? Um, I am home this week. Yes, I missed Workday Rising, where you are hanging out in beautiful Orlando. In beautiful Orlando, that is correct. The home of Disneyland and Universal Studios and all the fun that goes along with that, as well as nice muggy weather in the middle of October. (laughs) (laughs) But it's actually been a really nice um, conference out here. Uh, 13,000 customers and partners uh, have joined uh, Workday. I can remember when I went to some of their first conferences when it was just a couple thousand um, so this is, it, it, it's sort of amazing to see how that sort of number has swelled over the years. Um, uh-huh. And the customers are definitely um, uh, enjoying both, I think, the, the conference, but also being in a place where, you know, you can see lots of children and, and spouses who are running around in shorts and, you know, uh, tank tops while their parents are walking around in suits for the conference. So, you know, you get that dynamic that goes on when you do this. <laughs> Uh, Orlando. So did you do any Orlando stuff? I did only, um, so, uh, work, I did do a, um, uh, customer appreciation night at Universal Studios last night. I will have to say I, I did take a, a time to partake of that just because I, I enjoy, uh, getting a chance to get out and see some of those things. We had a, a nice evening of, um, all the movie stuff that goes along with Universal Studios parks and uh, fireworks and the beautiful light show on the water. So, so I took a, I took an evening to enjoy it a little bit. But uh, other than that, for the most part, I've been stuck inside of the conference building. So, <laughs> did you get a new Harry Potter wand? I did not get my Harry Potter wand this time. Nope. No. No. I. Oh, I, I. I. My boys have Harry Potter wands and robes and. I, I took pictures and kind of sent it to him and said, look where I'm at. But no, no, I, I decided not to invest in a, in a Harry Potter wand this time. <laughs> the magic uh, is all about the experience, I tell myself, right? <laughs> got it. Got it. Yeah. Got it. So, so what did you learn at Workday Rising? 13,000 people. The company is The company is doing extraordinary things on, on an array of levels. They are um, – um, a fully fledged enterprise global operation now. Um, what was different? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think um, the difference is is not. I think anything that you can sort of um, put your thumb on automatically for what's going on for Workday, but it's really just they're maturing. They're 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 now. You know, they went from being, you know, sort of the underdog, especially in the HCM space, right, um, to now being one of, if not, you know, sort of the top player in this space, right? Um, they now have 4,500 uh, customers using their planning tool, which is both financial and, a, and the HCM planning tool. They got 2,800 customers in their HCM platform, uh, 50, I think, of the, 50, of the top 100, I believe, uh, was the number that I heard. Um, they have 70% of their people and uh, organizations implemented, which is a really high number because a lot of times when we hear those numbers from some of the other organizations, they have a lot of people who have got the platform because they haven't been fully implemented yet. Right? 
Um, I think, you know, depending on how you look at the numbers, I mean, Ultimate's definitely got more in the cloud and sort of using their total platform. But, you know, definitely Workday has been at this for now for 14 years. And, um, yeah, they are, they are now a full enterprise system. They, they got quite a bit of accolades from the financial analysts, I think, this week on how, how much they've built out the financial tools. So that is definitely, I think, coming along. Not an area that I look at as much, but definitely I think is an area that they have invested in. Um, they're putting more into their supply chain management area and procurement. So I think that you'll probably see more uh, investment in in their R&D. Um, and uh, they're still investing 30% in their R&D, which is, is a lot to invest at, at their level at this point. So that should be interesting to see if that continues to help them like this. So, yeah. That, that's interesting. So what were the big surprises? What were, what were the new announcements and that? Yeah, so the big announcements, and, and they had a ton of announcements, not sort of like being large, more sort of fundamental to where they're heading, right? Um, and they were coming fast and furious when they were doing the presentations this week. Um, so you heard some of their customers sort of, focusing on one over another, it depended on what the customer's maturity level was with the product. But probably, you know, the thing, if, if there was a theme to walk away from the entire event was machine learning. They have embedded machine learning um, algorithm and sort of analysis efforts throughout the entire platform in every way they can possibly do it, I think, at this point. Um, so one of the big um, announcements this week was their, their people experience user interface which really is, it, it's not a, like a standard user interface like you would think like a, a board or something, right? It, it, the idea is that it is a, a front end driven by machine learning built on a persona that they have sort of built from you and your profile um, that continues to learn about you and the things you like and the things that you're trying to accomplish. It's embeddable inside of particularly the Microsoft Office products. Um, and it's, um, has um, some voice activated assistance and, and chatbots throughout it, right? It's got different uh, tools like that that we've seen with other vendors. Um, they demoed it pretty effectively in the um, uh, demo sessions that they were running on stage with sort of multiple levels of sort of managers and employees and in different industries sort of getting different experiences um, in that environment. And, and that went over very, very well. The, the other thing that they had made a big announcement about this week was their blockchain credentialing tool called, they're going to call it Way2. Um, so we've heard this, I think, at multiple vendors again, talking about putting together some sort of blockchain profile tool. Um, this one is a credentialing tool that will, um, they've talked about sort of adding various things to the credentialing capabilities, including sort of payment, um, you know, your, your payroll management information and uh, your your resume background and your career history, all that stuff, and being able to take that credentialing tool with you when you leave. Um, they give a they gave the credentialing tool as a beta test to everybody who was at the event. Um, so I have it, and I go take a look at it and see what it does. They also announced their Big Skills Insight um, product, which they've been working on for a while. But this is, I think you and I will probably have a good conversation about this. But this is a very interesting. Um, um, a skills ontology basically is what it is that they have as are building a sort of the underlying and underpinning component of all of the things they're going to do. I think about employee career management, probably down the road, talent acquisition, 
mapping of, of employee skill sets, workforce management. They're sort of building it as the underlying foundation for that. It's built from a multiple of other sort of ontologies in the market, and then they're going to add to it with their customers. So a lot of people are excited by that. They put out a new org design tool, which got lots of wows in the audience. But the thing that probably got the most excitement from the audience, which I thought was sort of funny, but it just goes to show that at the end of the day, HR is still dealing with a lot of, of uh, manual work, was they have built their RPA capability, so the, the sort of workflow tools and their chat bot or, or in the, and the bots they've got sort of in their, their system um, with some RPA capability uh, uh, processes into workforce management and payroll. And so they have automated a lot of sort of the auditing processes and the um, things you would have to do inside of workforce management so that now uh, the user experience for the end user is uh, much more seamless. They don't sort of notice that they're sort of using different areas in the system because it just automatically pops up because things are automatically being calculated or assessed. So there was a lot of oohs and ahs about that, um, and a lot of people were very excited about it. So, yeah, so it's, it's a, an immense amount of stuff, not to mention they said that next in their 2020 R1, they've changed their, their names for their releases, but R, which will be, I think, a spring or summer release, they're going to open up the their cloud platform for programming. So they will now have an extended platform for, you know, so if anybody understands sort of path platform as a service, um, they will now have the ability for partners and customers to work in their own uh, programming environment with their sort of GUI interface to build that extendable uh, tools. They've been talking about this for a while, but this is general release next year. So that there is the expectation that that will open the floodgates for people to build um, sort of modules attached to the workday environment, and that, that might bring some excitement. We haven't seen that come to fruition in some of the other organizations that have launched their platforms as a service as, as a big deal, but people seem to think this will be a bigger thing with Workday, we'll see. So lots of stuff. I mean, what, what do you think about all this, John? It was an overwhelming amount of, of launch information there. Well, I think I think part of part of what you're saying is that this is no longer software in the way that we know software, right? This is something different than that. This is a a work environment um, that integrates um, actual processes into the into the overall architecture, it's, and so it's it's much more like a workplace than it is like a um, old fashioned you put the data in, you get the report out um, kind of software. Um, and That's a really good, I mean, I think they'd love that, you, that, that explanation of it, but yeah, it's definitely not like, here's a module, here's an, a, a window. It's, it's, I'm, I'm in my work environment. I'm doing my the, the things I need to do and it's popping up where I need it. Right. With the underlying databases I need to run that. Right. Yeah, I don't think that they're that they are the only people who have crossed this threshold, uh, but but they they certainly have crossed it in in a pretty expansive way. And and when I think about it, what I what I think about mostly is the heart of the system for my money is um, uh, the sort of data constancy and data security stuff that's in their planning module. 
So if you're a Workday customer and you work inside of the Workday framework, then you never have um, versioning problems with spreadsheets, for example. Um, and you wouldn't have versioning problems with data about employees. Um, and a whole lot of work gets thrown away uh, because we're talking about two different things that look like they're the same thing. Right? That's That's been the big problem in, in organizations. And so, so Workday has made great strides in um, becoming this next generation of thing that gets to know you better, um, helps you do your work, makes sure that the data is right, um, and, and gives, you, gives you more mm, quality control over data. Now, now that said, um, I'm not sure that anybody, including Workday, knows how to manage this next thing yet. Right? I oh, think that, I think, yeah. I, I was think just going to say... That, I think that's the probably the biggest problem. You know, when you talk to their customers, and their customers are all very happy. I mean, as customer satisfaction goes, I mean, you know, I, I get ratings in the survey, and, you know, we see it in numbers. But, but when you talk to their customers on the ground, which I got a chance to today, I mean, it, it is hard to find someone who is – they may have challenges that they're dealing with, but, but they're generally satisfied with the customer service they're getting, with, with the response they're getting from the company, which is – which is a hard thing to build in a company this big, right? That's that's often is one of the things that gets lost as organizations grow. But definitely the challenges, if I heard them, were the frustrations with now using all of this. That this this is an overwhelming amount of features, capabilities, opportunities, um, options for how you could use it. The more mature organizations were chomping at the bit to get access to sort of the new user experience to get access to the new um, PRISM, their new analytics packages, their, their people analytics environment, right? Um, they were very excited about where this was at. Um, it was interesting. I talked to one of the, a, a very large sort of beverage organization that is one of their clients. And his comment was, you know, last year I was just trying to keep up with configuration. Like how did I configure security, make sure everything was set the way it was supposed to do, make sure everything was sort of connected and integrated. He said, this year, I feel like I'm trying to keep up with the, the data conversation. He says, I can't keep up with how much change is taking place and how much data is flowing across this machine. He goes, and where I keep it all. He goes, I can't manage the pace of change. I've got to figure out a better way to do the change management for this kind of a program, right? Um, and so I thought that was an interesting comment from someone who – oversees a very large global, you know, HR environment that his biggest issue is change management now, not configuration or technology or integrations, right? I bet you, I bet you when you talk to him next year, his biggest issue is going to be ethics. Um, and, and so what I think is happening is, is the workspace is evolving at about the pace that data is expanding. Um, but what we're getting, if, if you think about what Workday offers these days, it's a lot of machine learning tucked in a lot of places. And machine learning always produces a rule of thumb. It, it produces an opinion that might be true rather than something real. Um, and teaching people how to use that kind of information information 
I don't think I don't think it probably even crosses that person's mind right now. But we will see over the course of the next year decisions made badly because people didn't understand the quality of the data they were using. Um, and and so that'll be the next sort of hill uh, in this evolution. Well, and, and I think it, 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 that's actually a, a really relevant conversation with this particular launch. I mean, the, the machine learning um, sort of skills ontology, the skills insights, which is the underlying, I think, most people probably won't understand how deep that's going to be in, embedded in all the things that are workday, right? Because it, it basically will drive so many of the conversations that happen in, in that technology. You know, its capabilities, to me, seem very, um, really, really, I think, forward-thinking in the fact that they are pulling skills from the previous work that employees have done, not just in their environment, but if they have details basically from scraping the, you know, internet and other environments of past jobs that someone has done and sort of presenting them in a manner of like, here, this is, this is the kind of skills you think, you, you know, we think you have based off of the jobs you've previously done. Um, and I think for employees that will give them an opportunity to oftentimes see skills and capabilities they didn't even know they had, or they didn't know maybe they had as well as others. Um, and then it'll sort of list it out and give them an option to say, yes, those are my skills and know that will. And that's going to be sort of their skills matching and their capability for career management and probably down the road talent acquisition. But you raise, I think, some good questions about that. You know, are there some ethical and some concerns, even if the employee has the control there about what is being presented to them, right? Well, so, so, so here's the deal for, for, for me. Um, a machine learning driven skills ontology will be right 75% of the time, something like that. Uh, and so, and so for the, for the tool to be um, useful, it's going to require that employees and supervisors take a deeper, closer look now and, and, and make up the difference between the 75% and what's, and what's real. But imagine that this is what that means. Imagine that you just bought a new house and they did 80% of the painting inside the house. And all they left you with were the baseboards, the window frames, and all of the fine detail. <laughs> you know, you know the, the worst part of painting, right? So, so 75%, 75% accurate sounds super until you think about Pareto, right? And, and Pareto is always, always the analysis that says the first 80% is the cheapest and the second 20% is, is often where 80% of the cost and expense lies. And so, so I, I foresee adoption problems with this stuff or bad decisions made because, because while the data is improved, human nature hasn't been improved. I, I, I can see where you're coming from. I mean, I, my perspective, on I think, is that that 75% is better than what we've got now, which is these are, are, for the most part, oftentimes empty profiles, right? Because people just don't invest time in the amount, or they're so outdated because they're not being updated. So there's no machine learning and in, in, in processing them, right? So, 
you know, the improvement on that and sort of the assessment of skills in a different way is at least a step, I think, in the right direction. But I, I agree. I mean, we, we could get to a position where poor decisions are made off of that data because someone didn't have the time or the capability or the understanding to update them appropriately, right? Um, and and that, that could be a risk as well, right? Well, well, I think maybe, maybe another way of, of getting at that is, is HR loves this stuff. HR really loves this stuff. And HR would really like to have a comprehensive inventory of skills for everybody in the organization, and that's an admirable goal. I'm not sure <clears throat> that um, that's how decisions about human resource deployment are actually made. I I I don't know that what happens is we've got this job that needs to be done, so we go look in the skills index to see who's there, who has the right skills to do the job. I think we, we may be more likely to get the person who always puts out fires to do that job. And and so and so 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 the utilization question is a big deal. Is yeah. you have this data it's seventy five percent good and right, this is this is these days it's always the problem with these machine learning things. This is the best idea in the whole world and it the only thing in the way of it being perfect is adoption. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and and I think the other thing you're you're saying with that is that this idea of capabilities and desire to do something, right? You know, the the person who puts out the fires, the one who always gets put on something is because they have a capability that, that goes beyond their skills. This was a great conversation I had with Chris Tavrilla while I was here this week. Um, from Deloitte, we were having a very similar conversation about the fact that capability and desire have to play into some of that decision as well, right? Like, like not only do I want to do what you're talking about, um, but also that I have the sort of whatever, whatever's beyond skills, I have the capability to switch or, or, or deal with the pressure of that particular situation um, beyond just having the skills and the knowledge and the background to do it, correct, right? Is that sort of where you're going? I think so. I think so. There's 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 more to it than this. This is an interesting thing and um I, I believe we're just at the earliest stages of this being deployed anywhere. So it's going to be um very interesting to see what the case studies actually look like. Yeah. But but overall, I think Workday did a really nice job with sort of explaining what they were doing because, like, this is a lot of very sort of techno babble, if you want to call it, right? In ways of a lot of stuff that was under the covers. So they did a lot of demos. They had a little sort of robot assistant demo doing up there with with uh, their demos and this. Their team did a nice job of sort of walking through all this. I think their customers are happy with what they're seeing this year come out of Workday. Um, I think the financial analysts were seemed somewhat pleased with, with some of these announcements. There were some other things going on in the market. I know where, where investments were being downgraded because of expectations on revenues, but that did not seem to sort of play out at least from a, you know, what's happening from a customer perspective. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, we're going to see more coming out uh, from Workday over the next uh, year on this platform conversation. We'll definitely see more coming out on, I think what they're going to build on top of their analytics platform, which is now completely sort of embedded underneath all of this as well, um, as well as the skills um, on ontology. So, so it'll be exciting. 
we do have, you know, we only have a couple of minutes left, and we do have a couple of other things that have happened in the market this week. It's probably worth noting. We did see that SAP made a pretty big announcement um, two days ago, which I missed until today because I was uh, embedded in what was going on here at the conference, where they have um, basically appointed Meg Bear to join SAP Success Factors as their head of product. Um, that is a pretty big announcement in our world because a lot of us know Meg Bear. Meg Bear used to be over at Oracle. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming she's probably at PeopleSoft before that. That was before my time. But I knew her when she was over at Oracle working on sort of the fusion, pulling together all of that sort of picture of what was going to be the cloud of the future um, and then moving into some of the cloud conversations. You know Meg as well, John, right? You, you've sort of run into yeah, the industry. Yeah, this is a big deal. Have you noticed Have you noticed that women are running the industry? This is awesome. This is just this I is can't just, say that it's a bad uh, thing. <laughs> nope. Nope. All of the key roles driving strategy in the in the big enterprise companies are are held by women, and this is a move to expand that so that product management is um, part of the deal too. And God, can you imagine doing product management at SAP? What a job! <laughs> What a job. That's right. I mean, they've been making a lot of changes. So so Amy Wilson is still there and, and Greg Chamin. It sounds like Mr. Meg will be working closely with them. I think they're going into some different roles. But Bear, uh, Meg will be responsible for developing, scaling, and integrating technologies such as artificial intelligence, machine learning, and experience data to advance the evolution of SAP success factors offerings towards the human experience management. So the H- HXM, I think, is their new branding around all of this. Um, and so they're launching that along with this. So yeah, th- this this will be a big role. This and this will be a big undertaking in an environment because SAP at the sort of SAP level, you know, beyond sort of the success factors level, is I think going through its own level of changes as well, right? Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting time. You know, you know, with the exception of Workday, the incumbent legacy enterprise providers are all 40 or 50 years old now and um, um, showing it. Um, and so it's yeah. good. It's good to bring fresh eyes into the game because because the existing ways of doing things are quite hard to change. So, so let's, and- let's, let's toast Meg and wish her the best of luck. This is a bit, this is a big job and a big challenge. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. We will. We are looking forward to hearing what's going to come out of that. Um, we also um, saw that Glassdoor made an announcement this week. I, I don't know how um, big of an announcement this is. You probably know more than I would. They, they um, launched, um, uh, announced entry into Italy and Spain, um, which now puts them into 20 different countries. But they also announced um, that they'd made some changes in their leadership. So they, they announced that President and Chief Operating Officer Christian Sutherland Wong has been promoted to, to CEO, um, and the Glassdoor CEO and co-founder Robert Homan will step down and remain Glassdoor as a chairman, um, uh, both appointments effective January 6, 2020. Now, we've been hearing about some changes. Um, they also announced uh, an appointment of Karina Cortez as the Senior Vice President of Chief People Officer. Um, so, I don't know, John. Are these are these changes that are going to make an impact on Glassdoor? And and it, does this make is this newsworthy? I guess from your perspective. Well, well th- these are the signs that the that the um, 
purchased by Recruit, Japanese, the Japanese company Recruit, mm-hmm. is are finally taking root. So, so Robert Homan um, did some amazing work building this company. He saw something that was there that that was not obvious, and and went from a glimmer of an idea to the world's largest job board, I believe they are now. Um, um, and um, it's pretty spectacular. And so he sort of earned the right to step down and be chairman for a while. Um, um, and this is, this is evidence that recruit is stepping in and sort of taking control of their asset. And um, those are all, those are all good things. It'll be, uh, like like a lot of like a lot of the companies we've talked about today, there haven't been that many. A lot of the companies we've talked about today, there is a what do you do when you're not a startup anymore problem. Exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so so this is Glassdoor is doing that at a smaller scale than Workday, but not not much smaller scale than Workday. And SAP has been trying to solve that problem for a very long time. Um, um, so, so maybe that's the news today is if you're a startup and if you aspire to be a, a kajillionaire when you grow up, um, notice that um, the other side of success is running something that's not at all like the startup that you started. It's, how does it, yes, it, it may not be as fun as you think, right? I mean, now, um, granted, having the finances probably is not a bad thing, but <laughs> was, uh, they, they had a, Jerry Seinfeld sort of opened up for the um, conference, and it was, it was very funny because he goes, he goes, yeah, this doing these corporate gigs, not all that much fun, but he goes, but I do have more money than you, so it kind of makes it, makes it work. So it was just one of those kind of like, reality comments you're like yeah some, you know the other side of it may not be as exciting as it was building that brand new startup but yeah so we're seeing a lot of that that's a very good comment um there was some funding but i but you know we'll we'll there if people want to sort of see some of that rig up that 300 million in series d funding and lattice work that 25 million maybe we'll talk about it next week if we have some time so but yeah Perfect. it's been a busy week this week and just uh just announcements from from the companies who are who are struggling to figure out what they do now that they are out of, you know, startup mode, right? Yep. Well, thanks. It's been a great conversation. And uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. We will be back here next week. Um, enjoy your travel home, Stacey. Um, and Thank you. Thanks. You've been listening to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Somser. And thanks again for being here. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye.